Shalom, and thank you for listening to sermons from Tikvot Israel, a Messianic synagogue in the heart of Richmond, Virginia. Listening to the podcast is great, but if you want the full experience, please join us Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for our worship service. We are located at the corner of Boulevard and Grove, across from the Art Museum. For more information, you can visit our website at tikvotisrael.com. There, you can support the ministry, learn more about Messianic Judaism, and contact us with any questions or comments. May Hashem bless you through the hearing of His Word. Good morning. I usually like to talk a little bit about the Torah portion before I talk about Hevra, because the Torah is real important to me. Um, Usually I like to think that when I read the Torah, I have a slightly different take than most people. Of course, so did Mary. Uh, Reading the book of Numbers, I would never think of Survivor, to be honest. Um, I've only watched, it's been on 36 seasons, she said. I've only watched like two episodes ever, because Watching people behave badly in a, you know, my idea of wilderness is like the Holiday Inn. <laughs> so it, it just doesn't communicate to me that way. But, you know, the Book of Numbers is kind of like flyover territory. You know what I'm talking about? You know, like parts of the country, like if you live in New York and you go to L.A., you like fly over everything else. Um, in, the, in the world of the Bible, numbers, second only to Leviticus, are, you know, the probably the least read books by believers because Leviticus is a bunch of instructions about how to operate the tabernacle. And, you know, how many of you have a tabernacle of your own? So on a practical level, it's just not there. And then numbers, well, it speaks for itself. Numbers. How many of you really love numbers? How many were great in math? Okay, there's always a couple. I usually made friends with them because, you know, I was horrible in math. But, you know, just the idea of numbers, the census, you know, then you think, well, taxes will be next. You know, it really is a turnoff for me. But the book of numbers, Bamidbar, is a book about the stories of God dealing with his people. And the passage this morning, it's funny, the passage I focused on this morning to share with you was the exact passage they read. It doesn't always happen that way. Um, I don't know if that's a confirmation or maybe I should skip it, but I'm not going to skip it. The interesting thing, let me get to it, This Bible has all those cool ribbons in it, and I I could never, never mind. It's not my thing. It says, Adonai said to Moses, I have taken the Levim from among the people of Israel in lieu of every firstborn male that is first from the womb among the people of Israel. The Levim are to be mine. 
all the firstborn males belong to me because of the day that I killed all the firstborn males in the land of Egypt. I separated for myself all the firstborn males in Israel, both human and animal. They are mine. I am Adonai. And the thing I want you to think about is this. When we think about our own lives, we consider ourselves like free agents, you know? We can go where we want and do what we want and, you know, just believe the way we want to believe. I'm kind of that way. But the reality is we're not free agents. You may want to be a free Would you like to be a free agent? If you think about the implications of that. This is saying we're not. If you're a Levite or a Kohen, you belong to God. Now, does that only mean the Levites and the Kohens belong to God, or does all believers belong to God? If you belong to God, it says you're his, like property like not your own. And that has implications. Some of the implications, well, I think all the implications are really pretty good. If you're God's, you're valuable because of who you belong to. Any of you watched the news this morning? What was the big story? The royal wedding. What is the big deal about these two lovebirds getting married at the whole world because of who they belong to. They belong to the Queen of England. They're hers, just like your kids are yours. And my kids are mine. I have the most beautiful grandchildren you've ever seen. You know why they're the most beautiful that anyone's ever seen? Because they're mine. You understand that. We belong to God. It says elsewhere in the Bible, 1 Corinthians 7, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. You know what that means? You're not your own. It means you can't do anything you want. Just because you can do something doesn't make it a good idea. Sometimes we always think we're inspired. Oh, I learned how to drive with my feet. You can do it, but it's a lousy idea. If we are his, it means we don't live our lives just for ourselves, just to do things to make ourselves happy. When we worship God, the purpose of worshiping him is not self-entertainment. But we do that all the time. We go, well, I don't go there because I don't like their service. I don't go there because I don't like the sermon. You ever say that? Or you've heard people, well, you never said it, but you've heard people who have said it. You know how it goes. My wife and I, we live in Florida because the Lord told me, no, um, I realized God gave me a ministry where I could do it from anywhere. 
And God did lead us to go to Florida because I didn't want to go just because of the weather. I mean, that would make me want to go. But I actually had to know that God wanted me there. And we wound up there. And we have to endure hurricanes, as you've heard. You know, I was here once, you remember, during the hurricane? This is my city of refuge. But um, the reality is, if you're doing something, it should always be because I belong to him. And you rob yourself if you don't have a sense that this is something God wants me to do. I have served in several different congregations as rabbi. One in Arizona, one in Ohio, where I endured horrible weather, one in New York, which speaks for itself on so many levels. And then God led me to minister in Eastern Europe. I'm not there for my health. I'm not there for the weather. I'm not there because what a great place it is to visit. But God put something in my heart to minister to Jewish people in need. And it's important for all of us that we understand when we do something, we should do it because we're his children. I serve God because I belong to him. I was set apart to serve him. And I got news for you. So are you. Your life has a great value, maybe a greater value than you've ever imagined because you were set apart to be his. See, when you are God's, it doesn't mean you're his property. It means you're his set apart for his service. Do any of you ever see the movie, The African Queen? You never saw The African Queen? You know, it's Humphrey Bogart, uh, Catherine Hepburn, and it's a classic movie. The thing that struck me, struck me with that movie was the sense of service Catherine Hepburn had, at least her character in the film. We are the Lord's to serve him. When I was younger, I was taught that. And as I spent more and more years walking with him, it's become the only thing I want to do in my life. I started working in Eastern Europe when a friend of mine asked me to come and help the Messianic believers there. I really didn't want to go. It was the, around the time, the 25 years ago, shortly after the Soviet Union fell. And you had to wait four hours in line for toilet paper. 
So I was challenged to bring my own and come. I did. After time of teaching over there, over many years, God put it on my heart to help Jewish people in need. And we start, we're operating soup kitchens. If you've seen our stuff in the past, we operate soup kitchens. We're feeding currently 1,400 Jewish people five days a week, every week, because the situation there now is that there is a war going on that you don't hear much about, a war between Russia and Ukraine, eastern Ukraine. And places I used to minister, places where we had congregations, uh, have been taken over by Russia. And when I say taken over, uh, let me explain what that is. We, I, was, I sat down, with, I visited some of the refugees that eat in our soup kitchens. And I said, what was your experience? And these are like old people who are not in the best health. And they said, we were sitting at breakfast and the Russian soldiers came and knocked on our doors. And they said, your enemies of Russia, get out. And they literally gave them a few minutes to grab whatever they could and leave. And they found themselves walking down the streets with everybody else who was thrown out of their apartments. And they watched as Russian artillery leveled the buildings. And they said, we had nowhere to go. We didn't know what to do. And somewhere a van, I said, how did you wind up here? We were in Berdansk, this city on the Sea of Azov in south-central Ukraine. And they said a van packed with people pulled up and told us to get in. And we got in the van and we drove for hours and hours. And they dropped us off on the beach of the Sea of Azov. And they cleaned themselves in the beach, you know, in the water. And they had nowhere to go. And a woman said, I see you have some jewelry. Give me the jewelry and I'll let you stay with me for a few days. So she took it and they contacted their daughter in another city and told them what happened. And they helped them find an apartment. Not a six-floor six walk-up, uh, sparse with almost no furniture. And they had the money, their social security, which came from the Ukrainian government, about 35 to $50 a month. They could pay for the apartment, but they didn't have money for food. They didn't have money for anything else. And so we've been feeding the hungriest and the neediest, and we invite them to our soup kitchens. And it makes a difference for the people. For them, it's a matter of life and death. There aren't that many chances in our lives 
when we can make a life and death difference for somebody. And the reality is, for $33 a month, I can feed somebody for the whole month, five days a week. What's $33 a month? I mean, let's be honest. For us, it's chicken feed. You go out, you can go out for a meal, you know, and I don't mean McDonald's, but well, you could go out for a meal. And for that one meal, someone eats for a month. I got to tell you, I was skeptical when they said that's what it costs. So when I was there, I ate in the soup kitchen. I could gain weight in that soup kitchen. The food was delicious. We're not talking gruel being, you know, ladled out, you know, out of a big thing into a soup bowl. You know, I think of, you know, Oliver, please, sir, I like more. Not like that. They were getting chicken Kiev, a big bowl of chicken soup, and uh, kind of like uh, cabbage. It's, you know, it's like a national dish there, and potatoes. They got a very nice meal, and I asked the people, do you normally get this, or is it just like when I'm here? And, you know, I don't trust anybody. And they said, no, 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 this is what we normally get. I went back the next day and had lunch because it was good. But I had to um, tell the people, you have to realize, when people are going to a soup kitchen, it's an embarrassing thing for them. It's humiliating that you should have to go to a soup kitchen. But uh, I was introduced. They said, this is the man who sponsors the soup kitchen. And... Uh, I wanted to take pictures of the soup kitchen. Unfortunately, I, I'm, I'm not really good with things like PowerPoint. I sent some pictures, but I guess they didn't come through. But we have a, a short video. Don't do it yet, please. Uh, but it'll show you some pictures of the video, uh, of the uh, soup kitchen, they were from this soup kitchen. Uh, I asked the people, I said, I apologize, but I am trying to raise money so we can add more people to this soup kitchen, and I need pictures of you eating, if you don't mind. And they were, no, 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 come over. They understood, because we're only feeding 30 people in that soup kitchen. We would like to have the money to add another 42 people to that soup kitchen. In the city of Berdansk, we could feed 200 more people. The need is there. The reason we're not feeding more is because the money isn't there. We operate with very low budget, uh, very low overhead. And our goal is to double the amount of people we're feeding because the need is so great. We could do more if we had more. And that's why we do need your help. And what I have been asking people to do is to consider Supporting someone for a year, a monthly gift of $33 a month. If you, can't, if, if, if you don't want to tediously do that, you can give it in one shot. If you can't feed a whole person, feed half a person. It all adds up. But we do need your help, and it does make that kind of a difference. And as I said, 
how many times in our lives can we make a life and death difference in someone's life? And you know why it's important? Because we are the people of Yeshua. And we can become his hands to be a blessing to people. A lot of people want to be the mouth of God. You know, they're quick to tell you, well, the Lord told me to tell you. You know, really, I hear quite well from him directly. I don't need you. And he, but, but, but really, how many of us would like to be the hands of God to bless people in Yeshua's name? In fact, uh, last night I was asked, do you just feed people? What about their spiritual needs? That's a good question. The truth is, if you like hold up a piece of meat and then hold up the gospel and say, if you want this meat, you've got to listen to this gospel, people aren't stupid. Just because they're hungry, they know that you're trying to buy their soul for a piece of bread and nobody will take it seriously. We feed people because Yeshua said, I was hungry and you fed me. He didn't say I was hungry and you preached to me. But what do we do? On our last trip, on every trip, in fact, when I go visit the soup kitchens, they say, the rabbi is here. And they come up to me and they ask me to bless them. And we give out food parcels to a lot of the people that come to the soup kitchens and also to the ones that don't. But even a, soup par a food parcel costs 15 bucks a person. And it has all kinds of stuff they can make at home so they have something. Uh, but when people come up for prayer, I always have like a big bowl of cookies. After, they, after I pray for them, I go, have a cookie. And, you know, why not? And um, I can't eat all those cookies anyway. It's, you know, give it away. But uh, it should be something sweet. But, you know, I was talking to my coworker, Eric, and I said, you know, I don't want to just come here, feed people, pray for them, and go. I want somebody to be here twice a month who will uh, visit people and pray for them, maybe start a Bible study. No obligation, but if they want. So I knew a guy, I know a guy, Get it? Know a guy? No. Uh, I know a guy in um, another city in Ukraine who is the helper to one of our workers. And he's been with us like 10 years. <clears throat> and I said, I'm, I'm going to offer the guy $300 a month to come twice a month and be there to minister to people in this new soup kitchen. And uh, I contacted him. I said, I'd like you to come, just what I told you, come twice a month. I said, figure out what it'll cost you to travel, because it was a long way, and travel isn't cheap. He said, well, one way, it'll, the cheap way is $65 a month. Uh, the uh, second way is $120 a month, or a trip, I should say. $100. And the third one was 150 a trip. I said, I can give you $300 a 
a month, and you go however you want to go, and then you can keep the rest for yourself, for your family. So he has three children, a wife and three children. He could use it. So um, I was thinking, we don't have any money in the budget to give this guy $300, and I just promised it to him. So what do you do? I called up some friends of mine who were... Um, uh, supporters of Hevra and they don't always have money but sometimes they have money to give and they asked me to always share if there was a special need the reality is I don't like to push people to give but they had asked so I told them and they said we're writing out a check for a whole year's worth you got it then I told my board after I had the money uh, and so they were, they said, well, what do you need to tell us for? I said, because you're my cover. But they go, but you did it already. I go, yeah, but we have the money, so it's okay. It all worked out. But the thing is, I can't afford to feed everybody, and I can't afford to send people to minister to them unless people give, unless we become the hands of God and the mouth of God to be a blessing to Jewish people who are in need. Do we only feed Jewish people? No, we don't feed only Jewish people because, well, first of all, if someone's married to a non-Jew, we're not going to keep her husband outside. You know, they come in as a family. We can't afford to feed others because the churches feed a lot of the Christians, but they don't do anything for the Jews. We're their only hope. And we have an opportunity to be a blessing. In other cities, the Jewish organizations are also very tight of, you know, with, their, with of the money they have, and they have asked to partner with us. So the Jewish organizations have been partnering with us to feed Jewish people. And that's like an unheard of thing, and yet it's happening. I just see open doors and opportunities to be a blessing. We do it because we're his, we're not our own. And we have an opportunity to be the hands of God to bless. Are you able to access that video now? The interesting thing about this, I've never done this before. Uh, someone in Colorado who does videos heard about our ministry and they offered to make a video for us free of charge. I'm Dr. Michael Schiffman. I'm the director of Hever USA, a humanitarian organization feeding 1,400 people a month. You can't get the picture? It sounds better than me in real life, doesn't it? Well, I mainly want you to see this because of the, well, what I'm saying is good too, but I want you to see the pictures because they were taking, taken in this soup kitchen in Berdansk that I was telling you about with these people. How are we doing?
Yes, that's me. No, that's beautiful, but that's, there we go. Can we start it over? I'm Dr. Michael Schiffman. I'm the director of Hever USA, a humanitarian organization feeding 1,400 people a month in Ukraine. These people are refugees, and we need to double the amount of people that we're feeding because the needs are very great. For $33 a month, you can feed someone five days a week. You can make a difference in their lives. There are very few opportunities we have in life to make a life and death difference in the lives of others. This is that kind of opportunity. Join us, help us. Like I said, it's better than real life. <laughs> but you, you, you see the people, you see the pictures. I would ask you. Can we finish the rafitza? We're getting ready that's not, to that has nothing to do with me. Two members bring the board over from the corner. We have oh, found it's easier to carry okay. when it's. Let me just say. We invite you and we ask you definitely to pray with us, to partner with us. But we also ask you to seriously consider supporting our work, either a one-time gift or uh, become a monthly sponsor. You can, it's so, you can do it online with a couple of clicks on our website. You can do it with we'll automatically do it every month or ho however you want to and whatever you want to. It's not a pressure thing. It's an opportunity. But we do need your help. We're not a big organization. We have very little overhead. Almost everything that we produce, even our newsletters and the things I have out there, it, it, it was free to us. Um, almost everything that goes out there, that gets get sent to us, goes to the work. So we ask that you would please do partner with us for the sake of the people that we minister to. We do it because we belong to him. And the work we do is his work. And we invite you to join us. Thank you, and Shabbat Shalom. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you very much.